we've made Christianity a very cheap product in North America. Anybody can come and, and fulfill what it means to be a good Christian. They attend, they give their money, they volunteer when they can, and they, and they play nice with other people. And yet that's not the definition of a good Christian. If you're not making disciples, you're not a Christian. You're disobeying the go and make disciples command. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. Welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by being a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or click the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience the disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. So I'm Rebecca Ewing, and I'm here again today with David Watson. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. My pleasure. Awesome. And, you know, last time we talked about the importance of obedience, the importance of obedience-based disciple-making as well. And um, I, just such a great and timely top, topic for our current culture as well. But we're going to dive uh, uh, into a little bit of deeper facet on this and really ask the question to ourselves, are we being fully obedient? And this is going to cause take, take us uh, down a path of being uh, vulnerable with ourselves and other people to say, hey, are we really being obedient like we think we are? And so, um, D- David, uh, from last week, we talked about how, it, just a little bit of review from last time, we talked about how we haven't really created a culture of, obe- of obedience at this particular point. Yeah, primarily as I look at the modern church, uh, we've made being a church member extremely easy. Uh, if we if we go to church, give our tithes and offerings, uh volunteer occasionally and cause no waves, then we're, we're described as a good Christian. Right. And we see ourselves as a good Christians because people say, wow, you're, you're in church every Sunday, you give your tithes and offerings. And when we need help with anything, you're willing to volunteer and help. But none of those three things actually define a good Christian. Mm. Church attendance doesn't define a good Christian. There's nowhere uh, in the Bible except Paul said one time, you know, do not forsake coming together on, on Sundays. But, but other than that, the, the, the church was meeting more often than once a week in, yes. the, in the early church. Mm-hmm. It was a daily meeting. They were breaking the gre- bread together every day together. They knew each other. When we look at the one another commands that are throughout the Bible, uh, the community life is going to cause conflict. And the one another commands is, are the commands that God gave us how we deal with that conflict. Forgive one another you know, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, love one another. And outside of that, love our enemies, bless those who curse you, uh, pray for those who persecute those you. And, and those kind of things are all part and parcel of who we are. And we don't know those things. Most of us can't even tell us the 10 commandments, much less tell us the 150 commands of Jesus from the Bible of what he expected from his disciples. And none of us can probably go through and say the what, 77 one another commands in the Bible of how we're to live in community with each other. Those are not part of our core values. 
uh, our core value as a church member today is uh, don't rock the boat, be nice, don't cause anybody any troubles of any kind. And when anybody asks you if you're having a problem is, no, I'm okay, thanks, I'm fine, thanks. I'm, you know, there, we, we do not really tell people what we're thinking, what we're feeling, uh, because if we do so, we get crossways with people who are in a situation in which what it means to be a true Christian is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And now we would have to deal with it. And, 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 you know, and even like we were talking last time, we haven't even set up a expectation, um, almost an, even an allergy against obedience. We, we've labeled all obedience legalism and saying that if we talk about obedience, if we talk about you know, actually following through on commitments or any type of accountability, then we're being legalistic and it's oppressive and it's wrong. And when really is this is the life in which God's given us is to be obedient. When when we're looking at the difference between o- obedience and and legalism, o- obedience comes out of our love for Christ. Legalism is a response to an external source right. besides Christ. It's a response that says your church teaches you this, that if you don't do these things, then you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. If you don't do these things, then you're not a good member. You don't do these things. Or if you do these things, you're a bad person. If you do these things, you're a good person. See, the thing about legalism, it can push us into good behavior. But the reason for doing the good behavior is not because Christ, our love for Christ, but it's because we don't we want to avoid any conflict with someone in the church and leadership role or in our organization in a leadership role. So we can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and it's not love. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the, what we need to understand. Legalism is often doing the right things for the wrong reasons, and therefore it's not counted to us as being righteous because we are being forced into it for the wrong reasons. Right, and, and the reason we obey is because of our love for Christ. Jesus made it very clear, if you love me, you will obey my commands, absolutely. and everyone who obeys my commands loves me. And that's, that's the picture that he, he developed for his, his disciples. At the same time, you can't lay off bad behavior because someone told you to do it. Nor can you accept praise for good behavior because you're doing it out of fear of being shunned or being outed in front of the church or in front of the organization or in your, or in your team meeting. See, these are subtleties in our, in our religious culture that need to be stopped. We need to stop and say, look, why are we doing this to each other? Mm -hmm. Our, Our love is shown by our obedience to Christ and our obedience to Christ doesn't permit us to force people to do things they don't want to do. It doesn't, and that doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, but holding someone accountable and shunning a person is two different things. Holding someone accountable and embarrassing them in front of the group is two different things. I always praise in front of a group. I always correct privately, mm-hmm. period. I never correct in front of a group, even if the behavior was in front of a group. I may say to the person, you misbehave in front of the group. You need to talk to them about it also, but I'm not going to correct you in front of a group. Because that would not be appropriate leadership from my perspective. And when when tempers get hot, we say, okay, let's just take a break. And at that point, if I need to talk to someone, I will talk to them. And I've had some two-hour breaks at times because I need to talk to some people before the meeting started back up. But but all of this comes back to the same the same issue 
who are we? Mm-hmm. And uh, we we are one in Christ. That's who we are. Do we live out that oneness, or do we pretend we're one and then we're we're many, mm-hmm. with different opinions, different understandings, different ideas of what's right and wrong? All of those things divide us. And the simplistic idea that church is about attendance and giving and volunteering is a long way away from what the Bible says church is about. Absolutely. And, and, it, and the same is true. The, our organizations are a part of the body of Christ. To also assume that only a church is a part of the body of Christ, it says we're the church. Wherever we are, whether we're individuals or working together in teams or in a group that's calling itself a church, we're still a part of the body of Christ. We're still a church. And we have a responsibility to live out our love for Christ and obedience and in mercy and grace to to each other. That That doesn't dismiss accountability, because if I don't hold you accountable when you're doing something wrong, then I've been disobedient. Mm-hmm. And again, that takes us spiraling down into a place where the organization is no longer obedient, whether it's a church or a team or a mission agency or whatever it might be. If I don't try to help bear your burdens, that takes us down to a place of disobedience. See, because one of the one of the commands is bear one another's burdens, love one another, correct one another, admonish one another, exhort one another. I mean, all of these things are part and parcel of our life of obedience. And these can't be taken lightly. And when we don't know them, we said, not only have we taken them lightly, we say they don't exist to us. We don't need to know these things. Mm -hmm. And yet we absolutely need to know these things. And as an organization, as a team, as a ministry, as a church, we need to begin to understand that the life of the body of Christ is a life of love to Christ that requires obedience from us and relationships with each other that are very specific and very forgiving, and yet at the same time holding each other accountable, but in a way that's done in love. Absolutely. And so that leads us into the question, you know, since, yeah, I even remember last time you were saying that sermons need to be about calling people to obedience than just, you know, comforting people in life. And so, you know, since we, you know, um, however we may be telling ourselves, well, but we do promote obedience and we do, you know, um, say that we want to be obedient and things like that. But is it possible that we can be obedient in some things, but not in all of the the commands? The answer to that is no. If you break one command, you've broken them all. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's not my words. That's words from Scripture. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether you you're, you choose your command that you're saying, I don't want to do this, or you have a cherished sin in your life that says, I like this sin so much that that I'm going to ignore what the Bible teaches about it. When, when we have those in our life, then we are sinful, period. Mm-hmm. That's what we are. And at that point, we can we can be doing and saying all the right things but we lose the blessing of of the love relationship with Christ at that point. We don't lose his mercy. We don't lose his grace, but we lose the fellowship. And and Jesus said, when you obey my command, he said, the father and I will come and make our home with you. That fellowship. Mm -hmm. And, and when, when you obey my commands, 
my joy is going to be in you and your joy, and your joy is going to be complete. That, that understanding that God is, is saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant in those kind of places and those kind of things. So when we have a cherished sin or we have something that we're, we're choosing to, to shade gray, however shade, many shades of gray you need, you need, when you do that, you've taken yourself out of that obeying the commands. When you obey my commands, it's not a singular command. Obey my commands. If you obey my commands, you love me. Mm-hmm. It's not if you obey this command, this command, this command, this command. They're not de- delineated. They are multiple. That takes me to another aspect. Is there are times Christ demands something from me and me alone, and I'm responsible for obeying that also. He didn't tell everyone to go to the Bajapuri people. He told me to go there. Right. He didn't tell everyone to go to Africa. He told me to go there. He didn't tell everyone to go to Central Asia. He told me that. And, and so if I, if I, if he says something like that to me in my life and I choose not to do it, then that doesn't mean that I'm okay because I'm still obeying the other commands. I have broken a command that Christ has given me. I look at Jonah. <laughs> and that's, that's all of them. That's right. You know, and, and quite frankly, I see a lot of people today that, that are committing Jonah's sin over and over again. We don't want to see the Muslims come to Christ. They deserve to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is as sinful as you can get in the Bible. I mean, look at, I mean, you can't, if you can't read Jonah and see that one, then you've got a problem. Or when we say, well, I'm, I'm not going to forgive that murderer or that warmonger or that whoever it might be, mm-hmm. forgiving is not our responsibility. That's God's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Our responsibility is love our enemies. That's a command. Love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Do good to those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. I mean, the whole picture that God gives to us is how he shows mercy. We we are in a relationship that shows God's mercy, though we can't show that same mercy. I can't forgive sin. Only God can. Absolutely. And, you know, this is also in line with what we say a lot in, you know, disciple-making movement, where sometimes our Christian culture denomination or maybe our own preference can cause us to be kind of blinded to some commands while picking favorite commands that we have. And so we end up maybe preaching or teaching or celebrating a certain set of commands that we all enjoy, but then we're just kind of blind to a lot of the other ones. And that's one of the reasons when I'm when I'm talking to churches and when I'm talking to the churches that I've established, I say, look, we need to have daily Bible readings that talk about the one another commands. We need to have daily Bible readings that talk about the commands of Christ. And, and right there, you've got almost a year's worth of, of just one verse a day for a year, just to look at those commands and remind ourselves of those commands. Right. Because it's like anything else we have, our memory gets crap crowded out by new memories and, and the new members take over the, the forefront of our brain and if we don't remind ourselves the things that are in the backside of the brain, they don't come back to the front yet. Mm-hmm. And so in a, in a system, and it's so easy to do now. I mean, my goodness, I've got a, I've got a, a program called Hootsuite. And in Hootsuite, I can, I can l- literally line out entire year of verses that are going to get sent to every verse, every person on my, on my team. Mm-hmm or in the church that I'm, that I'm in and a part of, a part of, and every morning at seven o'clock, they're going to get a verse that says, this is the one another passage for the day. This is Christ's command for the day. 
Uh, and, and we go through those and say, and your job is, how will I obey this today? Right. It's interesting. One day of practicing something actually makes you better at practicing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's what we want to see people understanding is that our love for Christ keeps us in the word. And it's not just the nice and, and comfortable sections of the word. It's about the word that says, this is how you're to behave internally and externally. This is how to behave in your family. This is how to behave in your community. This is how to behave in your team, your church, your ministry. All of these behavioral issues that draw people to Christ are commanded in the Bible. And and when we live out those commands, we are in a love relation to Christ that continues to grow and develop beyond our normal capacity for any relationship with God. Exactly. I mean, I think it's maybe even a surprise to some people that the the realization that you know Jesus didn't prioritize one set of commands over another, except perhaps, of course, the first and second greatest commandment. But outside of that, he didn't say, "Well, if you pray to me, that's so much more important than you not going the extra mile for somebody." So this is so if anybody gets anything, it's these particular commands and not as much as these. And of course, we would be like. We're thinking, well, of course you didn't say that. Well, if how we teach or focus on things is say, we're going to teach people these commands and focus on these particular ones and not all of them in its entirety, then we're saying there's some are more important than the others. And even the, the great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That doesn't leave much out. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you love me, the, the corollary to that is if you love me, you will obey my commands. Mm-hmm. So the, the great commandment doesn't leave out obedience. No. And the second part of that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What do we not deny ourselves? Uh, I would say almost categorically, we don't deny ourselves sin. Mm-hmm. We all have our cherished sins. We all have those things that we know are weaknesses and we're not doing anything to strengthen those weaknesses, correct those weaknesses, or be better people in the midst of those weaknesses. We don't actively go out and say, I'm going to improve myself. I'm going to confess my sin to my friends and neighbors. I'm going to confess my sin to God. I'm going to repent. That means I'm turning away from sin and back to God. I'm going to live in a way that when I have these things in my life, I'm going to recognize them and choose to deal with them because in doing so, I say, I love you, God. I love you, friend and family and neighbors. And it takes us into a different place of relationship with everyone. Those are the things that we fail to recognize when we're, when we're setting out and say, well, it, this is secret. There are no secrets with God, period. Not only that, when you have secret sin, it impacts your attitudes toward people. And those attitudes come out, whether it's how you treat women or children or men or whoever it might be those sins come out and change your relationships and impair your relationships with other people. And as we, as we continue to say, look, the great commandment, the great commission and, and obeying the commands of Christ is how we love God, how we love Christ. These are all intertwined there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we Just try to look like them, like, they're, you know, obey yeah. God, obey Christ, obey the Bible, obey, you know, we, we look at them as several, but really they're all together. They're all same. Yeah. In the same hand. Yes. They're, they're, they're all the same hand. And, and not only that, if you take away the fingers, the hand doesn't work. 
If you take away the hand, the fingers don't work. Mm -hmm. So we have to have this understanding that we're not able to say, I will obey this command, but not that command. I will cherish this command, but I will cherish this sin. We Mm. can't, we can't have those kind of distinctions because once we do, we've cut off a finger. Absolutely. You know, and this is, this particular concept is we can see that in a lot of the different stories and narratives in the Bible, we see all kinds of examples of uh, incomplete obedience when it comes to this stuff in the Bible. Um, Like for instance, you know, Achan, (laughs) you know, here they are, they're supposed to be conquering the new land and one person out of the entire group that doesn't follow one of the things he told them to do. And it leads to God not blessing them and protecting them in their next, uh, their next battle. Well, and even when you look at uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they were given mm-hmm. every opportunity to change. They chose not to. Yeah. And when Lot's wife long, longed to be back in Sodom and Gomorrah, that ended her relationship with, with, uh, with Lot and with God. Mm-hmm. right there it ended it yeah and the the visual the visual picture is that listen when we look over our shoulders to the life that we used to have that was sinful mm-hmm. and we desire some of those same sins again that's taking us to a place we don't want to be right and it's taking us to a place that's we're on dangerous ground with god now again that doesn't change his mercy and grace but it changes our fellowship with him Because the promise is, if you obey my commands, the Father and I will make our home with you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the picture that's that's there in John 14. And when we we fail to live out the love obedience that's been given to us, when we fail to live it out, then we fall back into the whole legalism side so we can pick and choose what's important and leave the things out that that we don't want to be important. And that's the other part of legalism is it's very selective. Yes. It's it's incredibly selective. I mean, I, I've been uh, from my childhood, I was in churches that the, o- the only thing you could do to get yourself in trouble with church is go to a dance. As a youth, if we went to a dance, we'd get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I, I never got the idea of how a dance was bad, but, uh, you know, this it was just enjoy you know, coming together at a school event, having fun. And, and yet the church said, no, you can't go there. Mm-hmm. Well, when I can't go there, I can't have influence among those people. I can't have relationship to them. I can't, there's so many things that, that ball up around that. It's like, uh, I had a church one time that was upset to me because I went to bars to, to witness. Well, you can't go in the bar. You're a pastor. I says, I don't see no pastors allowed on the sign above the bar. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. The issue is I'm going there to be obedient to Christ, to love those who are in trouble. Right. And in one year, I led over 200 people to Christ in that bar. Mm. And and not only that, I baptized most of them. They, they became members of my church. Mm-hmm. But it started out with me sitting in a corner drinking a Coke and making friends with the bar owner and, and the barkeeper. And Someone start pouring out their heart to the barkeeper and they go, you know, there's a guy right over there. If you go talk to him, he can probably help you. Exactly. And every day he was sending me people to talk to. And every day I was seeing people come to Christ. And exactly. Because legalism is all about, you know, since it's all about man, we have a tendency 
to focus on one particular aspect and miss the big picture, which is loving people and seeing them come to know Jesus. And we focus on smaller things, you know, and we see, we see this idea that God counts incomplete obedience as disobedience because it gets to the heart, you know, that like the difference between King Saul and David and King David, you know, what God said over and over that David was a man after his own heart. And, you know, people may not realize this, but the reason why he was a man of the, after he was a man after God's own heart was because he had a heart of obedience. You know, if if we remember that moment in which King Saul, you know, um, defeated, you know, some of Israel's enemies, and here comes Samuel up to the scene, and Saul is acting all like, "Yes, I have obeyed." the command of the Lord. And Samuel goes, so then why do I hear these, you know, sheep bleating in the background? And isn't that the king over there? Weren't you supposed to kill everybody? And, oh, well, you know, you know it's, it, it's, it, it was the people. I was just trying to do this, that excuse, excuse, excuse. But it, the, the point was, is it was revealing his heart, his heart of really in the end, he was doing some things that God wanted him to, but he was also intentionally not doing some things God wanted to, which was counted as disobedience. And and, and that's when Samuel tells him, like, you know, God's going to rip the kingdom away from you and give it to someone who has a heart to obey him. And so, you know, that it just shows the importance of, of how complete incomplete obedience tells about our own heart towards God. And that's the reason in our last podcast, we talked about that the disciple maker has to be obedient Mm -hmm. because obedience is, is not taught as much as it's caught. Yes. As as you live an obedient life, your children learn to live obedient lives. As you live obedient lives as a disciple maker, the disciples you've, you've made it for Christ, see you as their example and they do the same things. And it's, it's fascinating. Even, even lost people in my life, uh, those who have not professed faith in Christ, but may hold faith in Allah or someone else, their behavior changes when they're around me for long periods of time. And like when they come and live in my house for a while, or I go and live in their home for a while, and, and all of a sudden they start showing the characteristics of a follower of Christ, even though they are not. And so even more so when we as disciple makers live out the kingdom life, that's been set before us, we're going to impact our disciples in a, in a way that's not based upon legalism, but based upon I obey and there's an expectation of obedience from Scripture and there's an expectation from me and Scripture that that's what new disciples are going to do. And you say, well, why would you put your name in there? Because I'm a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. That's part of being the disciple maker is that I am instilling and holding accountable a lifestyle into those that I am making disciples of. And if they are continuing in their old lifestyle and I do not address that, then we're going to have problems and and see those problems. Well, you know, and that transitions great into the idea of what are we missing by not being fully obedient? You know, we, we often ask ourselves the question, why haven't we seen, you know, God work in the same ways that we've seen other places or, why are we not seeing the fruitfulness that we want to see? You know, could this be a, a connected? Well, I, I definitely think it's connect, connected. Again, 
we've made Christianity a very cheap product in North America. Mm-hmm. So cheap that anybody can come and, and fulfill what it means to be a good Christian. They attend, they give their money, they volunteer when they can, and they, and they play nice with other people. And that's all it takes. And yet that's not the definition of a good Christian. If you're not making disciples, you're not a Christian. You're disobeying the go and make disciples command. If, if you're not baptizing, you're not a good Christian. If, if you're not taking on wrongness and illness in your community, you're, you're not a good Christian. I mean, there's so many things that we're not good at. And yet with this simplified definition of Christianity, uh, of being a good Christian, we actually lead our entire churches, our entire communities, and our entire nation into a life of disobedience. Because we're not calling to obedience, we're calling to a behavior pattern. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, one of the, that's probably the greatest heresy of the modern church is that uh, everything is okay as, as long as you fit in the pattern that the church says is okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say just because the church says it's okay, it means it's okay. The Bible <laughs> says God says it's okay or not okay. And that's where the, the ruler is held is there. We definitely have gotten the authority off of the Bible and God and onto basically anything else, you know, whether it is our desires, the church, culture, whatever it is, it's anything but God and his word um, when it comes to those things. And that's also because that sometimes we've placed church leadership and, and agency leadership on pedestals that God never placed there for them to be upon. Mm-hmm. They're to be held accountable just like anybody else. And, and they are not the final word. The word of God is the final word. Mm-hmm. And, and when, the, when the word says to do something and we choose not to do it, we are in a state of brokenness. And in that state of brokenness, we are not what God intended for us to have as Christians or to live in relationship with others as Christians or even to live in relationship with those around us who are not Christians in harmony and, and love and peace. All of those things are impacted by our obedience, our love for Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. When we are obedient, it changes our relationship with everyone. Mm-hmm. When we are obedient to the commands of God, when we're obedient in our love for Christ, that changes our relationships with everyone. And they know there's a difference. They just don't know why. Right. And, and I've, had, I've had people come and sit in my house who, who don't know God at all. I mean, they, they, they just are so far from me. And they say, we don't know why we love to come here, but it's so peaceful. Mm-hmm. Even in hospital rooms, when I've been in hospital rooms, I, I've, I've waked up and you know, I spent 42 days in a hospital last year. I'd wake up and there'd be nurses and doctors sitting in my hospital room. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, I must be in bad shape. And they go, oh, no, this is just peaceful, quiet place for us to come. Mm-hmm. And you go, OK, what am I doing? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm really sick. I mean, <laughs> I'm sick. I mean, I'm, I'm sleeping. 18 I'm the hours patient here. <laughs> I wake up, there's a nur- nurses and doctors sitting in the room with me. And I'm going, oh, no, what's this? <laughs> and, and they're saying, oh, we're just on break. And this is, a, this is a peaceful place to come and have a break. And you're going, wow, that's, you uh, that's something that's, that's different. And, and I haven't just experienced that when, when our younger son had spinal meningitis and, and was, was told by, to, by the doctors to us that he would not survive it. 
I would wake up at night sometimes and have, have nurses and doctors sitting in our room basically while I was on a death watch for my son. Mm. And, and they would say, this is just the most peaceful place in the hospital. Now, long story short, God healed my son miraculously. And, and anybody who meets him now would never think he'd ever been sick a day in his life. He's a, he's a, he's a big, healthy guy. And, and yet at that time of our greatest weakness in my family was when people knew that there was something different going on in the room than, than a young child dying. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, this is kind of like what we touched on last time and also a little bit more this time is the idea is that when we obey, we're going to see, you know, more answered prayer. We're going to see more fruitfulness in what we do. We're going to see God be Thanks able to for listening to, to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon to actually be You can able find to the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.